0: Hello, my zebras and spoonies. Thank you for hanging out with me today, and I am glad that you are here. When you have chronic illness, it isn't uncommon to have problems with electrolyte imbalances. Because of that, I have decided to do a series that talks about what they are, how the body uses them, and things that we can do to manage our electrolytes. For the next several weeks, I will make a post aiming for Wednesdays about one of the electrolytes. So, hey, let's get into it. Today, we are talking about chloride. While this is one of the electrolytes generally not discussed, it is highly important in our bodies. Chloride after sodium is the most abundant electrolyte in serum with a key role in the regulation of body fluids, electrolyte balance, the preservation of electrol neutrality, acid-base status, and it is an essential component for the assessment of many pathological conditions. The normal adult value for chloride is 97 to 107. Hyperchloremia is an electrolyte imbalance and is indicated by a high level of chloride in the blood or when the chloride is over 107, your kidneys control the levels of chloride in your blood. Therefore, when there is a disturbance in your blood chloride levels, it is usually because of your kidneys. However, it can be because of other things. It can, which can include loss of body fluids from prolonged vomiting, diarrhea, sweating, or a high fever—all causes of dehydration. High levels of blood sodium, um, diabetes insipidus, or diabetic coma. Drugs such as the androgens, corticosteroids, estrogens, and certain kinds of diuretics. Intake of too much saline solution while in the hospital, such as during a surgery. Ingestion of salt water, bromide poisoning, um, and renal or metabolic acidosis, which happens when the kidneys don't properly eliminate acid from the body or the body makes an excess of acid. Hyperchloremia doesn't usually present with symptoms directly. If there are symptoms, it is usually from having a high sodium level or from symptoms of dehydration or from symptoms of elevated blood sugar rather than the elevated chloride itself. The most common symptoms associated with hyperchloremia are the symptoms of acidosis, which include fatigue, muscle weakness, excessive thirst, dry mucous membranes, and high blood pressure. The treatment of hyperchloremia is focused completely on the cause of the elevation and correcting that matter. There isn't a way that we can directly lower the chloride levels in the blood without correcting what's causing the elevation. Hypochloremia is an electrolyte imbalance that occurs when there's a low amount of chloride in your body or the level in your blood is less than 97 there often won't be symptoms of hypochloremia instead there will be symptoms of other electrolyte imbalances or from a condition that's causing the hypochloremia usually the presenting symptoms are that of hypernatremia or low sodium levels hypochloremia is most often caused by a problem with the kidneys since The levels in your blood are regulated by the kidneys. However, it can also be caused by congestive heart failure, prolonged diarrhea or vomiting, chronic lung disease such as emphysema, metabolic alkalosis, which is when your blood pH is higher than normal, certain types of drugs such as laxative, diuretics, corticosteroids, and uh, bicarbonates, and chemotherapy treatments. Hypochloremia is treated by giving normal saline fluids through IV or by giving sodium chloride tablets orally. It is almost always the case that sodium is low when the chloride is low, thus the replacement of choice is to give them together. It is also essential that the underlying cause of the, the low chloride level is addressed, and if it's a chronic problem, increasing chloride intake in your diet can also be of help. All right, so let's talk about chloride supplements. Most of the time, sodium chloride is the supplement used to replace uh, chloride because it is almost always the case that sodium is also low when the chloride level is low. However, it is also possible to take magnesium chloride or potassium chloride. Your doctor will tell you which chloride supplement is the best choice for you based on what your other electrolyte levels are, but the majority of people will be put on sodium chloride. Thus, this supplement discussion will be talking about sodium chloride, and that's salt, When talking about salt supplementation, it is also important to talk about water consumption. When starting a salt supplement to increase the sodium and or chloride levels in your body, it is important that you do not increase your fluid intake when you increase your salt intake. A general guideline is to monitor the color of your urine. Increasing your salt intake will make you feel thirsty even when you actually don't need more water. If you think you need more fluids, first check the color of your urine. If your urine is a pale yellow, then your fluid intake is good and you don't need to increase your fluid intake. It will be important to have both your sodium and chloride levels in your blood monitored while you're taking the supplement to ensure that you're reaching the desired blood levels without increasing them too much. There's some things to keep in mind when you're adding a salt supplement to your regimen. It is important to start with a small amount, and increase the dose over time until you get to the desired amount. This will allow your body to get used to the increased salt in a more gradual way. Sodium chloride tablets generally come in one gram doses. It is a good idea to start off by taking a quarter tab, then increasing by a quarter tab every two weeks until you have reached the full one gram. Your pharmacist is a great resource for triatrating you up, and when you know when you first get started out. If you're having loose stools after starting a salt supplement, it means that your body is not absorbing the salt and it is being flushed out of your gut with water. To improve your body's ability to absorb the salt, break up the total daily amount into smaller doses spread out over the day. This will also make it less likely that you will increase your thirst drive. Adding in fiber or imodium may reduce your loose stools, but neither will change the fact that you are not absorbing the salt that you are taking. You may also need to look at other medications that you are taking as they might affect your body's ability to absorb the salt. Your pharmacist is a great resource for troubleshooting this problem. It is not uncommon for salt to cause nausea and vomiting. If you have problems with this, first try taking the salt with food. Again, dividing the total daily amount into smaller doses throughout the day can be helpful with this side effect. If you continue to have problems with nausea, you can try dissolving the tablet into a small amount of warm water and then mixing the salt solution with a flavored beverage. This will allow you to slowly sip on the drink over several hours, making it less likely to irritate your stomach. If this method works for you, consider Gatorade Zero as an alternative to a salt tablet. Each bottle of Gatorade Zero has 270 milligrams of sodium along with 270 milligrams of chloride. While the chloride isn't on the label, salt is made from an equal ratio of sodium and chloride. But this method of mixing with water should be used with caution when trying to increase a low sodium and chloride level. If you use this, you will need to reduce your fluid intake elsewhere to ensure that you're not just flushing out the electrolytes that you're supplementing. For some, taking a nausea medication is required to get past the nausea side effect of salt supplementation. Again, consider consulting your pharmacist if you have trouble with nausea as it might be an issue with what medications you are taking with the sodium supplement. Chloride in your diet. Chloride is naturally found in all unprocessed foods, although in very small amounts. For example, raw and unprocessed fish and meat can contain up to four milligrams of chloride per gram of food, while fruits and vegetables usually stay below one milligram of chloride per gram of food. It's the chloride added to foods as table salt or through food additives during cooking or food processing that most contribute to our daily intake of this mineral? Whether you're looking to increase or decrease your chloride levels, you will need to become aware of the salt levels in your diet. Most processed foods are high in salt. When buying food, checking the food labels can help you figure out what foods are good choices for you. A low salt food is one that has less than 100 milligrams of sodium and chloride per serving, and high salt foods are ones that have more than 400 milligrams per serving. The easiest way to control your salt intake is to do your own cooking. That way you can choose to not add any salt or to add in as much as you need to. Another good way to take control of your salt is with the salt shaker. If you're looking to reduce your salt intake, removing the salt shaker from your table can dramatically reduce the amount of salt you take in. On the other hand, if you're looking to increase your salt, that salt shaker can be a strong ally by adding salt to everything that you eat. Those who are looking to add salt to their diets often struggle to add salt while not eating unhealthy foods. There are salty foods that are also good for you. Consider adding pickles, olives, nuts, seeds, nut butters, fermented foods, canned seafoods, cottage cheese, and canned beans. Your PCP. Your primary care provider, or PCP, really will be your best ally when managing Any supplement. They will be the person that will monitor your lab work. They're going to write those orders and you need that lab work to make sure that your supplementation is meeting your goals. They're going to be the ones that will help you make sure that you're taking the right amount of the supplement. Not to mention it is most likely going to be your PCP who is helping you manage those underlying conditions that is causing you to have to take a supplement in the first place. It is also possible that your supplements could interact with medications that you are taking. Your PCP and your pharmacist are your best allies for monitoring these possible interactions. So it is super important to keep your doctor in the loop whenever you are adding supplements of any kind into your treatment plan. Well, I hope that you found this uh, installment of our electrolyte series useful and I hope that you have some information that can help you in the supplementation process and the modification of your diet and can help you in the conversation that you should be having with your PCP. So thank you for coming and hanging out with me today. I hope to see you again and I hope that you do well until then and I hope to see you next week when I have my next installment of the electrolyte series. Thanks again for hanging out with me today.